thy word only may be spoken, and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we hear the story of the Canaanite woman of great faith. And to some, especially to those who have been Episcopalian for some years, this gospel lesson will sound eerily familiar. In the traditional rites of our church, Rite 1, our 8 o'clock service, a prayer was formed from this gospel lesson to help prepare us to receive communion. The prayer of humble access as it's formally known. We do not presume to come to this thy table, it says, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. The prayer is designed to correct our attitudes, to orient us, as it were, correctly, to help us remember our place within the created order, to remind us of our complete and total dependence on a God who always shows mercy, always shows love. The God who gives life. It has been removed from the modern right in our church because of trends in modern American Christianity and culture that shifted away from penance to affirmation. Trends in modern psychological thought worried with the liturgy being a cause of lowered self-esteem and lowered self-worth. It was said by the theologians that these prayers were not affirming. So they were removed, and one very similar was removed from the modern rite and the Roman Catholic Church as well. So it wasn't just us. Now in my opinion, one does not have to look very hard at our culture or our world to see this was probably not a very good idea, as evidenced most clearly by the riots most recently in London. We have a tremendous lack of volunteerism. It is rampant throughout this country. We have a serious and severe decline in charitable acts and community, in, in community acts. And instead of increasing in church attendance when we took these things away, we have had a decline in church attendance. Now all of this, coupled with the lowest sense of self-esteem in our country's history, in the history of civilization, there are now more people who suffer from depression than ever before. There are more people who claim 
to not be happy than ever before. Along with this, these dire things, is the highest sense of perceived and recorded spiritual hunger among a people ever. Couple those things and you can see something is certainly amiss. Very recently, a poll was taken in the United States by a group called the Public Policy Polling. The poll sought to find the approval rating for our Congress after the debt ceiling crisis. And one of the interesting facets of the poll was that questions were asked about God. Specifically, questions were asked about whether God, about whether or not people approved of the job God was doing as compared to Congress. And for those of you wondering, God received a 52% approval rating, which is higher than Congress, but still very low. Besides a general question on whether or not the country approves of God's job performance, there were specific questions as well. And one I found particularly interesting. The pollsters were asked about God and the creation of the universe. The result, 71% of voters approved of God's creation. So, more than a quarter of Americans disapprove of the created order disapprove of the infinite expanse of space and all that is. Perhaps for Americans, infinity is not enough. The fact that we would rate God and give him an approval rating shows something very flawed and distorted with the way this culture thinks. It shows that something is very wrong. To judge God in this way means our idea of God is someone who is our equal or truly someone who serves at our beck and our call. So the creator of all that is, the giver of life, the sustainer of the universe is a mere public servant, a hired hand whose job it is is to ensure our every whim and want. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning, let us look at a thing that is an alternative to this madness. Let us look at a thing that can bring us true happiness and true joy. Let us look at a thing that can help us form a right relationship with God Almighty. This morning, let us look at the faith of the Canaanite woman. The story of the Canaanite woman sits in a larger section of the Gospel of Matthew that deals with controversies over what is clean controversies over what and who is clean and whole, over what and who is righteous and who is not. Matthew 15, 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So the scene is said in this way. Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. He has rescued Peter from sinking in the water on the Sea of Galilee. And the boat has made land in a region known as Gennesaret, a fertile region of Galilee filled with Jews. There in Gennesaret, many folks start coming to Jesus for healing, and as the word spread, Pharisees come, and they argue with Jesus. And Jesus irritates them, infuriates them, really, by answering a question with this now famous verse. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. 
after he says this, from there, having healed the sick and offended the Pharisee as he wanted to do, Jesus heads northeast into the land of the Gentile. With purpose and intent, Jesus leaves the land of the Jew and walks a road in the region of Tyre and Sidon among the unrighteous. And it's on this road away from Jerusalem that we meet this person of great faith. Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. Jesus hears the cry of the Canaanite woman, but he keeps walking. The disciples beg Jesus to get rid of her. But as the Bible tells us, he did not answer her a word. So then, we must imagine a gang of people following Jesus down this path with a very distraught Canaanite woman begging and pleading for mercy on the side of the road, crying out for help. The disciples, on the other hand, telling Jesus to get rid of her. And Jesus speaks not a word. We only have his silence. The tension builds in that scene. We're supposed to wonder what's going on. The scene is set. And when Jesus finally speaks, we hear this. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here we learn something of the mission of Jesus, to gather the Jews for the end time. Jesus seems not to be concerned with the health and salvation of anyone else but the Jews. His words appear cold and cruel to our ears, denying a woman pleading for the life of her child. The words of Jesus also affirm Jewish religious thought of the day. The Jews are the chosen race. They are righteous and all others are less than human or are unclean. All others are less than, not worth bothering with. Gentiles, it is said, defile a person. They defile a pure and righteous person. Now that Jesus has done what most would have expected Jesus to do, now that Jesus has done what most of the religious leadership would have done, dismissed this poor woman, we hear her speak. Matthew 15, 25. But she came and she knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Jesus, in an increasingly cruel and heartless manner, replies to her humble cry for help by using words that Jewish religious figures would have used when they addressed a Canaanite. Matthew 15, 26. And he, Jesus, answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. They called the Canaanites dogs looked on them with disdain as less than human, as unclean, as something to be avoided, of something without worth. And then the woman replies. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The woman uses the derogatory imagery and twists it to her advantage. She is bold in her humility without a trace of arrogance. All she wants is her daughter to be healed. And with her reply, she bests Jesus in the debate. 
because of her humility and lack of arrogance, Jesus heals her daughter. And in his final reply to her, we see Jesus say something that turns the story. We see Jesus say something he says nowhere else and about no one else in the whole entire Gospel of Matthew. Jesus answered her, A woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Great is your faith. Jesus says this of a woman who is considered a dog, unclean, and not worthy of righteousness. Now, for those of you who aren't quite familiar with this, and some that think it still sounds cruel, this is actually an argument not between Jesus and the Canaanite woman, but between the religion of the Pharisee and the Canaanite woman. The religion of the Pharisee really isn't much different from the pop culture's religion in the modern America. The religion that sees God as an equal. A religion that sees God as someone who is no more than a tool to bring about our desires, our wants, a thing to use to affirm our wants and ways, a thing to use while judging others and beating them down. And the humility and the faith of the Canaanite woman bests this sham and this travesty. Great is your faith. The Canaanite woman has such a great faith because she believes that Jesus is God. She trusts in the fact that Jesus can in fact cast out demons and heal her daughter. She knows that God created all, gives life to all, sustains all, is the bearer of mercy and is standing in front of her. She does not see God as a hired hand of which she may approve or disapprove, depending on her mood. She sees God as a source of life, as a source and sustainer of her life, as the one who bears both love and mercy. She sees God as she is supposed to see God. So perhaps, my brothers and sisters, instead of seeking affirmation from ourselves, we should follow the example of humility and faith set forth for us by the Canaanite woman. Perhaps we would do well to learn to see God as the source of our life, the giver of mercy, the source of divine and true happiness not as someone or something that works for our whims and seeks our approval rating. And in that, in seeing God as God, we will come to know true happiness and we will gain the affirmation we all seek. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.